the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who governs all things in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the prayers of your people and grant us your peace through all our days. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday after the Epiphany of our Lord is recorded in the prophet Amos, chapter 9. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom 
and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land, and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching... He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. 
Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, "They have no wine." Jesus said to her, "Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come." His mother said to the servants, "Whatever he says to you, do it." Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, "Fill the water pots with water," and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, "Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast," and they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, "Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now." This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the gospel of the Lord.
name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> Marriage is a wonderful gift of God. In the beginning, God created us male and female. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. And it was not good that the man should be alone because he could not reflect the image of God. And so he fashioned Eve out of Adam's side and he brought her to the man. And he said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And the two became one flesh. For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, and the two become one flesh. St. Paul says, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Already at the beginning of creation of humanity, God knew something that you and I find hard to fathom. He knew before the foundation of the world that mankind would rebel and would plunge the world into the darkness of sin, which is marred by self-centeredness and egotism, and it would affect every aspect of human life. Why did he create then? if he knew that this beautiful creation that was made at the beginning would be marred by sin and slavery to the evil one and would result in death. Here again, you say something you might find hard to believe. It was for love's sake. That's right, for love's sake. God's self-giving sacrificial love motivated him to create even though he knew the destiny of mankind as Adam and Eve would plunge the creation soon after creation into the darkness of sin and death. But for love's sake he created that he might manifest the glory of his love in the redemption of the world in his only begotten son. Well, that sounds strange, isn't it? Was it even worth it? Why bother? For love's sake. God's love is demonstrated in creation. But the fullness of his love, the glory of God, which John reports at the end of the gospel for today, is manifest in Jesus' sacrifice for us upon the cross. What God intended for humanity, which is life with him 
that draws all meaning and significance and purpose from him, he has fulfilled in Christ. It is why in the midst of the struggles of life and ministering to the members of the congregation, my primary concern above all else is your faith in Christ, that you learn to rely upon Christ. There are many good gifts in all of creation, including the gifts of marriage and of family. But since the fall into sin, the singular focus of the church's ministry is that we come to know Christ and the fullness of his love. And that that love of Christ in the forgiveness of our sins then manifests itself in our lives through the things that we suffer, through the disappointments and heartaches and hurts. The marriage that fulfills what God intended for mankind made in his image is the union of Christ with his bride, the church. This is the only perfect marriage. It is the only marriage which will fulfill the words that you see so often on tombstones for a husband and wife, together forever. No, our marriages, no matter how wonderful and good they may be, will end in death. And the only marriage which is eternal and the only love which endures forever and ever is the love of Christ. And this is so very comforting to those who have never been married but who perhaps long for marriage. As Christians, we are united to Christ, the heavenly bridegroom, and we lack nothing in Jesus. It is also of inestimable comfort for those whose marriages at the beginning had such high hopes. I don't know of a single Christian couple who has ever entered into marriage intending to get a divorce. I don't know of any Christian couple who has entered into marriage intending that their marriage would end in some sort of loveless destruction and self-centeredness. No, never. Oh, there are marriages like that but I've never officiated over one. All of the marriages that I have ever officiated over have desired to have a good marriage, a faithful marriage, where husband and wife love each other, have fruitful marriage with children. But every single marriage, from the greatest marriage of those who have been married 60 or 70 years to those who have been married just a short time, are beset with sin and weakness. It's true. Our lives as Christians, since the fall into sin and the things under which we suffer and struggle, are intended by God to be a workshop of the Holy Spirit so that through the gospel of Jesus, we learn in the midst of the things that we suffer something more deeply about His grace and His forgiveness, that we are drawn closer to Him in the kind of life that St. Paul describes in Romans chapter 12. A life of self-giving sacrificial love. It's never perfect in this life, but it's through the things that we suffer, particularly our own sinful weaknesses, that we are to learn dependence 
upon the grace of Christ. The ministry of the church is directed to one singular purpose, that we come to know Christ more deeply and trust in him, especially when things fail. At the wedding in Cana of Galilee, which is described in John's gospel as the first sign or miracle that Jesus performed, manifested his glory. It is a miracle in which Jesus proclaimed that he had not abandoned sinful mankind, nor the institutions that he had created, but that mankind would find its fulfillment and marriage would enjoy its fulfillment in what Christ had done in his redeeming work. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus comes to him and says they have no wine. And Jesus' question is not one of scolding. Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? It is rather a question that he puts to her that all of us need to hear. Let me rephrase it. What do the problems of your life have to do with him? What do the failures of your life have to do with Jesus? What do the things in your life that you have desired that may be good things like the wonderful husband, the wonderful wife, the perfect marriage, the wonderful family, what does that have to do with him? It is as if Jesus were saying to his mother and to us, do you understand the connection between your desire and what I have come to do? My hour has not yet come. The time of my crucifixion has not yet arrived. It is the beginning of my ministry. But do you understand what your problems have to do with my work? You see, there is not an aspect of our lives as Christians that doesn't have to do with Jesus. For example, if we covet, if we covet things that we absolutely know are bad for us, but we want them anyway. What does that have to do with Jesus? He came to redeem us from that sin. But covetousness also includes insisting upon that which may in and of itself be good, like marriage, family. But we don't have what we desire. And we insist that my happiness is bound up with this person and I must have happiness in this person in the way that I conceive of happiness. What does that have to do with him? Christ's redeeming work does not necessarily fix all of the problems that you and I experience in this life. It doesn't necessarily fix your wife or your husband, and it doesn't necessarily fix you. You and I will continue to struggle with sinful weakness our whole life long. This takes me back to what I said to you at the beginning, that our lives become workshops of the Holy Spirit. It's through the struggle with these weaknesses, covetous desires, some of which are just out and out evil, some of which may be rooted in something good, but it's in the midst of this that we are taught reliance upon the grace of God. 
And that's what Jesus is saying to Mary. Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? There's not an aspect of our lives that doesn't have something to do with Jesus and his redeeming work for us, his forgiveness and grace, that we, in the midst of the things that we suffer, the shortcomings and struggles of our lives, we might find our sufficiency in him. And I do believe that Mary gets it because she lays this problem before the Lord and he says, what does your concern have to do with me? And then she replies, whatever he says to you, do it. What a simple but profound word. Whatever he says to you, do it. It means for us as Christians, nothing matters more than the word of Christ. That word of Christ which directs us what it is to be men and women and husbands and wives. But I fail, I know. Then what he says, do it, confess. But I fail constantly and I'm struggling and I never seem to get any better. Ah, whatever he says to you, do it, confess. And whatever he says to you, believe it. Be of good cheer. I forgive you all your sins. Do not be afraid. But I don't know how much longer I can live under this circumstance in my life. Whatever he says to you, do it. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Whatever he says to you, do it. What do the concerns of our life have to do with him? Everything. Because the God who created all things and everything that's good, being men and women and having marriages and families and husbands and wives and a community of loving support in the church, it finds its significance and its redemption in Christ's sacrificial love for us upon the cross. That's the only thing that matters. And when that love is received, we are taught what it is to live in this world, not achieving what our heart insists we must have, but learning to live by the love and grace of our Lord Jesus in the midst of the things that we don't have. This is actually where the joy of the Christian life is under this veil of tears. It is found not as the prosperity gospel people like Rick Warren and all of these other people would teach in you believe in Jesus to get what you want. You believe in Jesus and you pray hard enough and you'll be successful in business. That's not the gospel, certainly not the Christian faith. You believe in Jesus and you have the promise of redemption forgiveness, everlasting life, and you believe in Jesus and you will be taught what it is to love, not for what you get out of it, but for the benefit of your neighbor, even as he laid down his life for our benefit. Now, the wedding in Cana of Galilee, the transformation of water into wine, teaches us something else. In this life, we will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, he has overcome the world, and in the life to come, all of the things that sadden us in this life will be no more. For he filled the water pots with water to the brim, and he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called to the bridegroom and said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, 
you have kept the good wine until now. There are wonderful blessings in this life, but it does not even begin to compare with what it will be in the life to come, in the resurrection, when after we have learned the lessons of God's grace in this life of suffering and hardship and disappointment, then in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, this corruptible will put on incorruption and this mortal flesh immortality, and then death will be swallowed up forever. And then what God willed in love to do from before the foundation of the world will finally come to full flower in the resurrection. That's why John reminds us at the beginning of the narrative in today's gospel, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And on the eternal third day, you and I will rise from the dead. And the marriage between Christ and his bride, the church, will endure forever in pure and perfect love. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Let us confess the faith with the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. In addition to our prayers listed in the congregation at prayer, we also remember Jan Wollen, who will undergo specialized eye surgery this Tuesday at St. Luke's Hospital. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus 
and for all people according to their needs. Lord, you manifested your glory in the sign at Cana. As you restored creation through the shedding of Christ's blood, pour out your grace in abundance. Give us joy and gladness in the revelation of your truth in the person of your Son. And teach us to live under the things through which we suffer by faith in the grace of our Lord Jesus alone. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of glory, preserve your son's bride, the church. Make her constant in joy and delight to preach the good news of forgiveness in her Savior to poor sinners. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of glory, you blessed the wedding at Cana with your presence and honored it with your first miracle. Strengthen and give your gladness to all married couples and their families. Be present in our homes and lives with your free and abundant forgiveness. And preserve us in the true faith from each generation to the next. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of glory, preserve Tyler Church, Holly Schneider, Donovan Alvarez, Julia Perry, Eunice Disson, Nathaniel Haga, Ruth Schneider, Kendall Westrich, and Beth Berenger in their baptism. Preserve them from every assault of the evil one. Grant them daily contrition and repentance until they receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of glory, you rule this world by your power. Give to our civil servants respect and recognition of your creation and its nature. When they use the authority given them from above, let it be in accord with your good design for our world and not the corruption of sin, which they are to rebuke for the good of their citizens. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of glory, we give thanks to you for healing mercies granted to Jeremy Lafour and Gabby Hartwig. We commend to you all those in the congregation suffering with various viruses, especially Ralph Fisher, who is hospitalized in Menominee Falls. We commend to you Jan Wallen, who will undergo eye surgery this Tuesday, and those who are still in treatment for cancer, Nancy Abrieva Amaso, Jim, James, and Josiah. Bring healing according to your will. Give your abiding comfort in every circumstance that Christ may lift them up in the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we commend to you those who mourn the death of loved ones, especially the family of Jerry Meyer, cousin of Mark Golterman, and the family of Fern Warfell, sister-in-law of Carol Bender. Grant them to hear the message of the gospel as they mourn the death of their loved ones, that their hope and confidence might be in the resurrection and the life to come. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that of your grace you have instituted holy matrimony in which you keep us from unchastity and other offenses. We implore you, send the blessing of your grace on every husband and wife. Do not let them provoke one another to anger and strife, but let them live peaceably together in love and godliness. Strengthen them with your gracious help in all temptations and help them to rear their children in accordance with your will. Grant us all to walk before you in purity and holiness, 
putting our trust in you and leading such lives on earth that in the world to come we may have everlasting life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. For what had been hidden from before the foundation of the world, you have made known to the nations in your Son, in him being found in the substance of our mortal nature. You have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive Renew and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth, to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers. Deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me.
In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you body and soul in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace.
Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same, in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.